Hello, hello, hello. My name is Nate Rossa, and welcome back to I Just Can't Even With Myself Right Now, my personal pet project podcast where I discuss absolutely anything that comes to mind because limits are for losers, and in my space, we follow the wind. So sit back, tense up, and enjoy NE Unleashed. And as always, live it up, folks, and make it happen. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. This is going to be what I think might be a short video uh, episode, but it's basically going to be a pretty fun one regardless. So really, what's gonna, what's happening is, I don't know if you guys were tuned in or were updated. Last week, I had the wonderful opportunity to share the screen, <laughs> to have a really cool conversation with Susan Storm of Psychology Junkie, as well as the very awesome Heidi Prieb, uh, the author of the Comprehensive Survival Guide for ENFPs, INFPs, and has written a ton of content on Thought Catalog, you know, etc., etc. So, Having been able to sit down and talk to an INFJ, Susan, and an ENFP, Heidi, it was wonderful. Actually, well, first of all, her the intention of the whole thing was to get into the minds of an ENFP. To be honest, I felt it was a very big honor to be part of this, um, to be picked uh, to share it, because I really did think that Heidi has done quite a bit for the ENFPs, and it was really awesome to be able to... To actually have a conversation with her, like in um, via like a face, like it's it's yeah via face chat, it's really cool. Um, and the reasons why is because like part of me, like I get along with a lot of ENFPs online. I get along with ENFPs in the sense that we also we have this thing where I call like a mind sync almost, where you just kind of synchronize when you meet somebody who's the same type as you. But I will have to admit, though, that there is always something missing. And the reason why is because uh, usually the most of the ENFPs I've met, they they tend to be from... Well, they tend to show up from, like, the heart triad, like an Enneagram. In the Enneagram system, they tend to be from the heart triad. So it tends to be twos and fours. Um, so it's not really the same, having spoken to them, until I've met Heidi, who is an eight. And it's something of a more more interesting full labor to speak with and reasons being is i believe that we kind of share the certain things when it comes to like feelings although i do will i do think that she probably has a better handle on emotions than i do and handle in a sense that um has probably been more open to feeling certain things whereas i as a seven like reject negativity so it's really hard for me to to kind of delve into and deal with certain traumas um or certain thoughts like that are flavored with negativity because i'd rather just reframe it and go about my daily business so it's kind of it was really fun and a big part of learning too because um i get to really see or to be able to under to be able to connect with a person and note that they're also kind of going through a similar kind of pathway in their growth um not in the same level of course but and i mean that because i think she's done crazy amounts of like improvement and like development which i really think so and before i start going into this whole like oh my gosh this is gonna be great no (laughs) 
it was such a great opportunity to have that. And a lot of things, like I got to ask a really good fair share of questions. And some of that, that questions, for example, I've always wondered what it meant to have very flexible and almost like non-existent preferences. I've, I had to ask another ENFP because who else would you ask? Um, and Heidi seemed to be like the perfect victim in this situation. And she brought it up something that was, I thought was really important. It, it's a sign not of low or bad FI. It was a sign of low sensing because it was something that I didn't realize was... Well, I mean, I never put priority in because as an inferior introverted sensor... I don't care for preferences of music. Um, and if you guys were listening or haven't listened in, what's go- going on was the question was, how come, you know, whenever I'm around with my sensor friends and they, you know, they always, everybody has an opinion on a music taste. Everybody has the good, the bad. Everybody likes this. Everybody likes that. Uh, there are heat towards other artists, heat towards other genres. There's just a whole bunch. It's a mess. Um, and I don't have that. I really do not have a problem when it comes to prefer- preferring certain kind of music. Usually when it comes to, you know, in a car ride, in a joyride or whatever, uh, I let somebody else take the wheel or take the, the you know, the DJ role because um, I've noticed that everybody else are more stronger kind of leaning towards a preference and then I don't have that. It, it's very chill. Um, and Heidi even confirmed it people assume that we're very chill people because our preferences for sensory phenomena is very low. We do not worry so much when it comes to that. Like, for example, like turning up the thermostat or turning it down or caring about how the floor is a certain way. Like, we don't really care about those kinds of things. So it's less... So people may may or might kind of assume that... And in, in it makes sense to assume in this case that, you know, we're just very low-maintenance people. But then as if you guys watched and has mentioned, when some things are breached or crossed is when they realize that that's a mistake. Because while I personally do not care for the sensory, or not doesn't care that much for the sensory phenomena, I do care a lot about the, the hidden data. And if that hidden data, it could be a person's philosophical dilemma or a psychological dilemma or someone's breaching some form of a value you know, if we're going to MBTI terminology, it's like your inner values were breached or crossed. Someone's being inauthentic or whatever. That can actually create a different side of me to pop up. Um, because that, I have strong opinions on those. You know, I have strong opinions on how a person conducts themselves when it comes to interpersonal dynamics. Because if you're going to intend yourself, because if, if you consciously want to be like let's say friendly or to portray yourself in a certain way to another person, you got to actually know how to play the game um, properly. Because if you don't, then you just create, I wouldn't say create chaos, but you just kind of create it like a kind of a space that's just that's not really fun. Um, and you open yourself up to just a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication. And I think it's really just pointless. Unless that was the point, then that would be a joke. And then I will take it. You know, it's just, it's going to be quick for me to reframe that. However, you know, for people who are blatantly just completely unaware of it, it's just, it can like be right away instant for me. Um, And a part of this was actually kind of a highlight of my weekend where I've been noticing that there are some parts of the social dynamics and groups that I interact with that are, I would say, open to be questioned because the methods aren't necessarily something that I'm, well, I'm familiar with, but I don't approve of. 
and part of that is like group kind of group think that I don't really understand what the point is um beating constantly beating around the bush uh trying to stir the pot with the intention when feelings are on on the line because I think there's a line where it's great to joke and it's good to have fun and it's all in good faith but if someone's feelings were indeed involved it is going to be a bit of a teeter-totter situation um to kind of keep in mind in the back of your head that you know someone might be hurt and that's something to be th- to be honest about and conscious about of course not everybody thinks like that but i do right and for the most part these are things that usually don't people won't see me project or present because in a world that is very tangible and materialistic, it's not easy to catch what's behind the curtain, what's behind the wall sometimes. Um, and that's what I'm looking at, you know, like I'm the one intrigued. So it can be kind of, which kind of leads me to the whole thing where Heidi mentions um, intuitive blending, which is actually kind of funny because I think Susan and I really did relate to that a lot. Uh, it's when you when you are the minority in a majority of groups, sometimes you just gotta do as the Romans do, um, or when in Rome situation. <laughs> and when you do that, it works to an extent because I would say that I've definitely faked sensing or being a sensor on so many different occasions because it served me, ugh, for lack of a better term, the quickest, most minimalist way for me to escape any situation. <laughs> um, I don't, I actually particularly love small talk. I have no problem with small talk. So it's not hard for me to to kind of engage with um, and talk about the weather for like 10 minutes. That's not a problem for me. However, like any other intuitive, it's going to be costly for me to engage too much because people will start catching that I'm just BSing the entire time. Uh, the entire time, I'm just pulling out of every anything, trying my very hardest to kind of uh, filter it in a way that I can only get the only the data the sensory data that the people care about and then say that but then there's like a, a trash heap of intuitive data that's just building inside that's just going to like explode if I don't bring that one up and as an any doll that's gonna happen so sometimes they'll just take my leave um you'll just notice me like bounce back a bit and start getting quiet because it's not worth like I don't feel like the audience around me is going to particularly benefit from it. And to me, I don't really need to convince them anyway, either. You know, like when I don't think it's a worth enough of my energy to present something, why do it? Just fake your sensing and move on. Um, I mean, in Socionics, you have like role SE as an ENFP or as an IEE. So you just kind of, you fake it till you make it. <laughs> Basically, it's pretty much what you're trying to do. Um... What's funny though is that I <laughs> that is so cool to be around. Like it doesn't mean that I dislike sensors. Completely, absolutely not. Because um, the whole point of being a part of the whole type community too is like trying your hardest to uproot and destroy like any kind of messed up stereotype about sensing where it's not even funny anymore, right? But and at the same time, you also want to be able to connect things in a way that makes sense. Because imagine, like, if the tables were switched and the sensor was the the only person that was in the sensing world and everybody around them were intuitives, it's not going to be a fun conversation for them either. 
and that's you know that's not on that's not fair for them as well so it's always going to be a balance and since we all have the functions anyway um it's just really the matter of your communication the matter which you tolerate and you know how developed you are in those functions and at the same time you know how you mesh well with others it, it all of it kind of plays into it so it's kind of it's kind of cool that that's kind of where I got all of this kind of out of. Another thing that was really interesting was <laughs> midway through the video, like it cut off because um, Susan's computer crashed. And it was kind of that quick moment where you've left too many doms, you know, alone. It's going to get crazy. Uh, and to be honest, it's everyone probably thinks it was crazy, but... I don't think like, to me and Heidi like, I don't think it was crazy at all I think it was just natural it was just something to do um, for me free space is so valuable because more space equals more ways to fill it in and to fill it in with more information more data more inference more any basically um, I, brought, I brought up the term like agoraphile which is like, because uh, I was thinking, you know, kind of meshing words around. If agoraphobic is you are afraid of open spaces, and agoraphile must be the opposite, where you love open spaces. And I think it's a very EP type of concept because the open space represents what you could do. Um, for SE users, I guess SE valuers, it would be what to do basically. They can, it's it's more opportunities, immediate. Uh, sensations to kick in um, from that moment and like for me especially like I love going outside I love surrounding myself with sounds I like surrounding myself with so much like phenomena and it's funny because it's like unlike extroverted sensors who can probably pinpoint where all of these you know stimulus is coming from I don't have that it's just that the noise that comes from the outside is helping my, the noise inside kind of chill out. And it's like by exhausting my Annie, I could focus. And I don't know how other people deal with that. But with me, it's like it's very hard for me when, it's, when I'm alone and alone with my thoughts. It's a scary place. And as a seven, it's not something I'm accustomed to. I don't like the feeling of fear. I don't like engaging in fear. I get angry. I get frustrated. So when that's kind of put on me, it, it makes me restless. And I start projecting like aggression everywhere. And it's not a good look. <laughs> it's not a good look when I could be more civilized. But hence why the noise is helpful i confuse people a lot like sometimes when i go outside and they're like oh, you have to study but you're like in a bench in the park somewhere and everyone's screaming like that's your place and i'm like yeah that's my place because unlike se i'm not noticing all of those sounds i just need to silence all the the could be sounds that's what i need to like remove um I probably should elaborate that in a different episode. How that, what that means. Um, it's. I think it's really hard to sometimes describe any in a sense that people are gonna think like, "What you hear voices?" It's not voices. It's possibilities, and I don't know if people kind of are used to that because, of course, I do not hear voices. Like, let's be real, that is not the case. <laughs> what I am keenly like aware of is, like I said, the could be's. You know, I am simultaneously holding concepts in my brain 
and holding them all equally relevant. That can take up a lot of brain space. You know, it can be exhausting. It's a tedious job if you're not an any dom. But as an any dom, it's how I do. That's my breathing space. Uh, that's why it's just it's a mindset that always grows. Like it's a mindset that starts with one line and branches out into a scattered mess. But that's my mess. So that's why it's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, another little part too that I thought was really really f- cool with the little conversation I've had is I actually was really really nervous prior to to starting the the video and. I don't know if I actually told. I think I told them that like um after work I quickly ran home, got changed, you know. <laughs> I took like a 5-minute shower and just like went for it. Um took a shot uh of this like really nice fancy like lemon alcohol thing. And I was asking myself this question as I kicked I was like why was I nervous? It was probably a lot of things. I'm not ready, I don't think, or I don't feel ready to present sometimes. Um Part of the ENFP gig is we know so much useless information, but I don't think we have enough time to process all that information that we've gathered. So it leaves us at a weakness or one of our flaws, where the processed form of the of the the data is lacking. So the critical thinking people may criticize me for lacking that, for missing some kind of, you know, like have you marinated the thought yet? And the thing is, is no, I haven't would be the honest truth. I haven't actually done that. However, at the same time, um, like, <laughs> we also tend to play dumb because it's hard for us to explain it. Like, it's, a, it's I don't know if you guys caught that already, but when, if you guys watched it, but um, there's a tendency where if we don't want to explain it, we just, we'll just rather you see us as dumb. It doesn't matter to us that whatever your opinion is, because your opinion is one of a thousand, one of a million, one of an infinity. It's really no no big deal for me. Um, and so that's why it's kind of interesting that I would say for the matter that smart ENFPs can pass off as, <laughs> as airheaded sometimes, um, it's a case. It's a thing. It's a definitely a thing. Uh, I know when people kind of ask me sometimes and they're always kind of bring up like, oh, I heard you do this or you heard you do that. My first instinct is always to reject it and be like, I don't know. Maybe I know it. Maybe not. And it's also a tendency for us to keep everything open-ended. So we'll just have open-ended statements almost every single time because we don't want anything to end. Sure, it serves me well in this kind of format, right? Because I can just babble and unleash the any and enjoy what this is offering. But at the same time, it could also be kind of sad in the sense or frustrating it wouldn't be sad it would just be frustrating for the other folks um because it would be difficult for them to follow follow along if there wasn't some kind of break in between i don't really know how that works for them uh in the sense that i don't really value that kind of sequence um i like to just kind of go pick up the pace along the way at least that's how i kind of play with it that's why it's kind of it is kind of amusing to observe that in in the folks that I that I talk to. I can't believe that I I'm filling it up. <laughs> there was a statement I mentioned in the video. Um being to deliberately be lost in order to find myself. I did some kind of variance. Susan's probably gonna watch it at some point. Uh so she well she mentioned she was gonna watch it back or rewatch it and then, you know, have that down. Uh, 
I think it's a 100% true statement with ENFPs. Um, whether or not that's the same for for the SP, for the ESPs, uh, that's definitely something I should ask. But a big part of part of um, being lost, it's that thrill of just putting yourself in situations, in crisis situations, in heavy, chaotic areas where everything is happening all at once. And by it's like maximizing the possibility of finding what you want to find by choosing not to find it. It's such a, it's so irrational. I, I the more I think about it, it's it's completely it's ridiculous. Because if you had at least like a guide or like some form of framework before going into the mess, you probably would have found it quicker. But that's not how it works for me. Um, I don't I don't even, without TI I don't really know necessarily like how quick um, or how efficient I need to be. Um, without TE, I probably don't need... Like, without good TE, as in good TE ego, or high-tier, high-stack TE, it's just hard sometimes to plant the application right away. But I still get lost. You know, I still go and get lost. It makes it easier. Like, for example, um, like, I traveled to the States over the weekend. Um, and the friends and I, we we didn't get lost, but, you know, we needed to find something my first instinct wasn't to just look up at a map and just be like, okay, we'll just find, look it up on a thing. I was just like, hey, why not? Let's drive around and let's hope to find, you know, like a... And what, what, what it was is we're just trying to find a restroom, a rest area. And I was like, okay, well, if we couldn't find one, let's just find a hotel and then let's figure, you know, go our way through there. That way they probably have a public restroom for the folks that kind of drive by and that seems like a thing. And beautifully so, I was confirmed that it is a thing. People do have public restrooms in hotels, and I was pretty happy about that. But I guessed. I I didn't know, and I guessed, and I picked things together, and I was like, let's just get lost and find it. And we did. We found a good hotel. We found maybe three of them, two of which occupied restrooms, so that didn't really work out. But um, we found one, and things got things made sense. And I think it was. I think that's kind of how the flow, the train of thought, is kind of funny because there isn't a. Um, the conclusion is kind of quick, quick and anticlimactic. I don't know if you can catch that. Um, it all makes sense, you know. Happily ever after, everything's great. Uh, and I think that's my feeble attempt at trying to lock down a conclusion, but still feeling sort of guilty about it because I don't want it to end. Um. Yeah, it's. I remember getting uh, another one is, like, just being in a city, for example, and just wanting to pick the uh, the less familiar route, not because, you know, not because I was trying to. Well, maybe yeah, because I was trying to explore, obviously, but it wasn't. It's like I'd rather pick the unfamiliar route than the familiar route, you know, like, and it's. It, I mean, every intuitive kind of has this kind of kicking in. Um, you're kind of left to always pick the unconventional route no matter what. You know, even if you did pick some form of conventional pathway to, to academics or to career or whatever, there's going to be an aspect about you where it itches. You know, the need to chase after the unknown is still there. Uh, and it's unlike NI, like, we don't sit there and marinate the thought and deal with the darkness. We have to seek it out. I seek it elsewhere. It's external. It's extroverted. That's why it's it's EX, not IN. You know, we go out there to seek it out. Um, 
I know some folks probably go through it in the extremes and they kind of go down in the darkness a little bit more than, than I do. But the premise is still the same. The foundation is still the same. We are almost addicted. <laughs> we are married to the concept of chasing the unknown. It's not hard uh, for us to stare in it. I mean, heck, you don't have to be a 7 to be fearless as an ENFP. You have to just be an any dom. Just mystif- myst- yeah, mystified, like hypnotized by the idea of walking in an unfamiliar route. Just the mere saying of that statement actually kind of makes me salivate a little. <laughs> because it's like, hey, I got, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Why, why is that wrong? Um... That's why it would be kind of, I don't know, like a lot of things in my life growing up has been about taking a risk like that. I don't know. Obviously, I don't take, I don't say I don't, I wouldn't take like really crazy risks. I don't, I can't compare myself to SE doms. Like there's going to be situations where they're going to do it and I, I'm just going to put plan in it. Um, and actually going off on that tangent, Heidi was mentioning how like she'll do this, this planning thingy. And SE dolls will just, like, go for it. And I definitely see that happening. Like, I see them, they marinate for, like, not even at all. Actually, never mind. They don't think anything through. They just go for it. And it just keeps me kind of... I I used to do the jaw drop thing, but now I just kind of don't care. It's just like, I get it. That's you. This is me. Uh, In the sense of how does they always kind of... They're prepared that we'll figure it out when we get there. For me, I want to have everything ready. And then we'll figure it out when we get there. I like to have the backup plan. I like to have the big idea, the context already settled. Because if I don't have the big idea settled, it's not worth it. It's, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm missing a piece of a puzzle. If I go into a place completely blind, it doesn't work. It's, I, it's a loss. It's, um, how do I put it? It's, there's an emotional component, actually. It's a sad. Like, I feel like it's, I'm, I'm depriving myself. It's kind of actually the more I think about it, it's like I'm depriving myself of the bigger picture, which I cannot accept. You know, I cannot have that. I need to know the full thing. Um, so it's always like, it's always like a scope that I think was really fascinating about it. And having that, you know, idea kind of go 180 and like hit me back because Heidi confirms it. It's as an ENFP, I'm, it's gave me a little bit more confidence. Like, this is a thing ENPs do. <laughs> this is a thing we do. You know, we, we plot, we scheme, we, we think about things constantly. We never stop thinking. It's exhausting, obviously, for everybody else. Uh, we probably do get tired, too. But, I mean, clearly we're not showing that. Uh, I think a big piece of us is just tripping over how we talk. Um, like, tripping over words. Because the brain's going to so quickly... You know, parsing all these connections, the mouth has no chance of following through. It's, and it, I don't. A piece of me thinks that it de, it almost kind of devalues our kind of credibility sometimes if we're just babbling that quickly or makes us sound like we're crazy. Because we're like, oh, 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 oh. and then you're like, okay, well, all right. <laughs> of course, I'm not to say that's not to say that that's. You know that we're incapable of doing a sequential kind of writing. I think this is probably why writing has been very helpful because it allows us to kind of take those words and actually kind of process them and put them in a way that that is digestible for everybody else. So I, the more I think about it, it, it makes sense why a lot of the ENMPs pursue or NFs pursue writing. It's it's easy. I mean, trying just trying to imagine on this the opposite side of this of the NF circle. It's the beta NFs or the ENFJs with all of them just 
thinking, feeling all these passionate words and emotions and realizing that they need to use the TI to make those words actually stick and, you know, actually, it's like, it's they're, it's like they're given, they're born with a shotgun, but realize that they have to learn how to use a sniper. You know, like like a rifle. Like, it's just, or, you know, they they so good at using a hammer, realize they have to use an arrow. It's just, they... It, it's kind of funny like for me it's it's almost in the same way with any with certain SI it's like we need to learn how to do that um so I think it's overall it's pretty overall the video the collaboration was the conversation was fantastic um I left that convo feeling very happy actually one of the one of my favorite ones to date actually I would say so it is so while I ended I think I'm running I actually ran up to maybe 30 minutes. So with this little babble episode, I'd like to drop a little kind of here and there. And just a quick little update for, for everybody listening. So I intend to upload snippets of this podcast onto YouTube. Um, and that's in hopes of reaching like a wider audience. And of course, all 17, or well, likely 18 episodes to date, if I counted correctly will be uploaded then um the time the eta of that is still to be a uh although i am going to work to try to put everything together so when that's gonna be happening that's going to be done at least i'm gonna give myself a deadline i have to like come on we're emp is this procrastination galore so i'm just gonna like i'm gonna call it let's say by the end of this week things need to be done that way, I have a working catalog online in a different platform that people can check me out and find some content. Um, I will be uploading a YouTube video updating on this whole up, on this whole process, um, the direction that I'm willing to take things. And I would really like to say a big thank you for everybody who's been following along. Um, I hope you. I really hope you guys have been enjoying the babble because this is just free talking all the way uh i get conscious every now and then sometimes i feel like i need to like filter it and i'm going no if someone needs to see someone needs to hear and observe and know how an enp talks this is this is how they naturally are in their natural habitat uh especially an enfp with polar ti like this is how we babble (laughs) unfortunately so it's confusing it's annoying it's all of that stuff and hopefully there are nuggets of information that's useful for people who are trying to kick in and find that out. So be it, right? So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I really, I really, I do, I really do appreciate the folks. So till next time, guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and enjoy the rest of your day. And until next time, bye.